The Whole Health Cure with Dr. Sharon Berquist, the podcast that brings you inspiration and skills for living a healthy and fulfilled life. Welcome to the Whole Health Cure podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Berquist. On this podcast, we explore the science and provide inspiration and skills for living your happiest, most fulfilling, and healthiest life. Today, we'll be talking about plant-based nutrition, how it transformed the life of our guest, Dr. Stephen Lewenda, how it works, and how he has helped so many people in his practice get on the road to living a healthier life. Dr. Lewenda is a board-certified family physician in Southern California, Kaiser Permanente. Dr. Lewenda graduated from UC Davis School of Medicine in 2001 with honors in family medicine and preventive medicine. He completed his family medicine residency at Memorial Hospital of Rhode Island, Brown University, in 2004, where he was awarded Resident Teacher of the Year. In 2013, Dr. Lewenda transformed his own health with plant-based nutrition and has since co-created lifestyle medicine programs that have transformed both the lives of patients and the way in which healthcare is delivered at his medical center. Dr. Lewenda recently co-authored a review of lifestyle medicine with several esteemed colleagues that was published in the Permanente, Permanente Journal. And he's a two-time recipient of the Southern California Permanente Medical Group Everyday Hero Award. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Sharon. I'm honored to be, to be with you all. Um, it's, it's a pleasure. And we really appreciate you being on the podcast. And, and Steve, a lot of people um, may relate to your story, which I, I find just so interesting because oftentimes people who are so passionate about their work and the thing that they believe in and what they promote have lived it and experienced it themselves. Can you talk about how you got interested and got started in plant-based nutrition? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, it's kind of a long story, which I'll try to make it you know, short enough. Um, I've personally struggled with my weight my entire life. And um, I've also seen family members, especially um, my mother and father, but um, and my father um, even more so with not only weight, but with so many medical issues, um, serious medical issues. And there's been um, not only you know, with my father, but his father as well. He, um, both of them, my father and his father had early heart disease. My grandfather at age 38, he suffered his first heart attack and my father at age 45. And so I grew up not only worried about my, and frustrated with my weight, but worried that I was gonna have an early heart attack. And then my father also um, went on to develop uh, type two diabetes and, and has suffered multiple complications. And so I was worried that I was gonna follow in my father's footsteps. And I, I was really desperate because, um, you know, as a, as a medical doctor, I don't know about your, um, medical education, Sharon, but they didn't teach us much about nutrition. And I, and I know that that's a common um, issue across our, our country. That yeah, definitely doctors, is. Yeah. So all I, all I knew really was essentially portion control, moderation, and exercise. And what I didn't know, though, is that, or didn't realize is that, um, you know, portion control, when you're eating the wrong foods, portion control doesn't work. It, if anything, it's just a, it's a way to sort of promote this yo-yoing um, effect of where you, you know, you maybe do portion control for a while, you lose weight and you put it, but then you end up putting it back on because no one can stay hungry for, you know, forever. And, and moderation is great for healthy things, but for unhealthy things, it doesn't work. It's like telling an alcoholic or a smoker or a drug addict to, to, um, 
to live, you know, to, you know, use their whatever substance in moderation, their, their addictive substance in moderation. It just doesn't work for addiction. And I didn't realize that so many of the foods I was enjoying were so addicting and there's a strong component to food, you know, food addiction with this. So, so I've been struggling my whole life. And, um, and then until I fortunately realized, um, the power of plant-based nutrition and it came at a time when I was really feeling kind of desperate and kind of giving up on things and so it came at the perfect time and uh, I've, I learned about it first through the book Eat to Live by Dr. Furman and um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book but yeah I, I read that book that's a great book yeah yeah there's so many great um, books uh, out there on plant-based nutrition and just so happened that there was uh couple of family friends and a cousin who recommended it to my wife and I and started reading it to be honest I was kind of reluctant because I kind of felt like oh you know if this was all if if this was you know um, the real deal I'm sure we would have learned about this in medical school or you know this is probably some quack doctor writing a you know book about his quack ideas and you know because there's just so many medical books out there that um, you just don't know who to trust or who to believe and again I when you hear something that sounds like an infomercial, you think, well, gosh, it's just, it's got to be too good to be true. And when you really hear what um, plant-based nutrition promises or what the sort of typical results are, are um, uh, or what the claims are, you, it really does sound like an infomercial. And so uh, when I first was kind of learning about it, I, I was shaking my head. This can't be true. You know, if all these things were true, uh, for sure, we would have been taught this in medical school. For sure, the whole the whole public, our, our whole country would know this. It'd be it'd be all over the media. It'd be everywhere, and and all of our colleagues would know it. And and so it it can't be true, right? I mean, that's just so. But when I um, sort of delved into it a little bit more and started looking at the research and reading other books besides Dr. Furman, you know, besides Eat to Live and watched a few documentaries along the way, I realized, gosh, there's a lot to this. This is, um, this seems to be the real deal. And then, but of course I had to challenge myself to actually put it into practice. And, and that's where, uh, cause I realized, you know, it's one thing to, um, to read, um, I don't know, all these, these incredible claims. It's another thing to actually put it to the test yourself and challenge yourself and see what you can do. And, and then, of course, um, after, well, I mean, I can share my journey, of course, but after I s was successful with it and I saw that, yes, this really does work, it is amazing, then, of course, the next step was to start recommending it to my patients. And that's when the real sort of magic happened with my career, too. And so that's how I got started. Um, and, uh, and there's no looking back. This is five and a half years ago. And, you know, I can share i don't know if you want me to keep talking i, I can i could probably you know <laughs> i could keep going and get carried away so um i don't know if you want me to keep talking about my story or well i you wanna, love your story yeah. you know what was it about what you read that convinced you that that kind of what made it sure. so compelling that you wanted to try it sure well, I mean, on one hand, the, the benefits that are purported, you know, are just, as you know, extraordinary, you know, and I'll just kind of review them real quick. Um, you know, this is a lifestyle. I don't, we don't like the diet word. It's a four letter word, right? But um, this is a lifestyle or a, an eating style that whereby you, you get to eat uh, as much as you want. I mean, there's no portion control or counting or measuring or going hungry. 
which right then and there, I mean, that's, that's kind of nice to hear because there's just, um, you know, so many so-called diets involve counting, measuring, potentially going hungry and all that. So you eat as much, essentially you eat as much as you want and yet you get all these magical benefits. You lose weight in some cases, I mean, a lot of weight, uh, which doesn't, makes sense because you think it is again it sounds too good to be true how could you eat as much as you want and lose a lot of weight there's there's no way that doesn't sound possible uh, doesn't seem possible and then so not but not only are you losing weight but multiple chronic diseases are prevented and or reverse and when i and when we say reverse of course you and i know what that means but for the audience we're talking that the diabetes can go away, the heart disease can go away, the, the clogged arteries can start to open up, and chest pain from angina or angina can, can disappear, uh, high, high blood pressure can, can normalize, people can get off, off of medications, autoimmune disease can disappear. I mean, all these things that we thought were lifelong, chronic, you know, uh, permanent um, medications that were supposedly lifelong all this is potentially not true and, and a plant-based diet or lifestyle can essentially solve all these problems while uh, the, the person's eating, you know, eating freely as much as they want um, and, and not going hungry. And I, I mean, right then and there, I'm just, I just kind of blown away by that. It just, again, I, I can't imagine, I don't even think I've seen an infomercial that claims, <laughs> that claims <laughs> like these, you know, it's just, it's just too good to be true. And, but then, so it, that, I think that caught my attention for sure. Uh, but then to see that there's actual science behind this, it's not that there's a quack doctor or two out there saying this, that it's really, I mean, the, there's real, I mean, hundreds and thousands of, of medical, um, you know, journal articles to back this up. And there's a lot of um, lab science and everything. So um yeah i mean that sold me right there and but then again it's one of those things where okay you read it you you read it in a book then you read some journal articles perhaps you see a documentary or two like forks over knives and some of the others and you're going you're thinking okay this this probably is true but until you actually see it with your eyes or experience it yourself it still doesn't seem real you know it's like everything in life you know you can hear <laughs> You can hear all kinds of stories about things and read about, you know, God knows what, but until you actually see it with your own eyes and feel it, experience it, it's still not real. So, um, and at the same time, I, I guess, you know, like maybe I was a little bit, self, I don't know if selfish is the word, but I just thought immediately that this is, I've got to do this myself. I mean, of course, um, I was thinking about my patients and my practice, but I figured I have to start with myself. Number one, I, I'm, I'm no good to my family. I'm no good to my patients if I'm not healthy myself. I was not a good example for my patients. I was, um, I was let's see, I weighed 255 pounds, six foot two. My BMI was about 33. So I was obese. I had prediabetes. I had fatty liver disease. I had probably had sleep apnea, but never followed through with getting a sleep study. But so, you know, a lot of my patients were asking me, for weight loss advice and help with their, you know, diabetes and everything. And here I was an obese doctor and who am I to <laughs> take your credibility? With exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was really good at prescribing pills and everything, but you know, I'm still pretty good at that. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's something to be too proud of, but um, yeah, no. I, I, and so anyway, so I, um, 
so I challenge myself and, 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 you know that, and it is, and we can talk more about sort of the challenge and how you make the transition, but it, it wasn't easy. Um, but there are tips to make it easier and, and it gets easier with time. It got a lot easier after the first month or two. And I think what a lot of people don't realize, they don't realize how much easier it gets over time. And they just sort of give up after a few days or give up after a week. And um, there's, there's a lot of change that happens with our taste buds and with our brain and the, chemi- the dopamine in our brain that gives us pleasure. And we just get used to all this sugar, fat, and salt in the processed foods, the, the junk foods that we're used to and the rich animal foods and everything, especially the way all the food is prepared. And then when we try to go to a more natural diet or eating style, you know, the food doesn't seem to taste sometimes as, as good right away. Although, there, again, there's tips and tricks to that. I always teach my patients that, you know, with the right amount of lemon juice, lime juice, garlic, um, spices, herbs, seasonings, hot sauce, etc., you can make almost anything taste good. In fact, most of the foods we all love probably t- taste the way they do, or we love them because of the spices and the herbs and seasonings, etc. And so, um, yeah, so I mean, after, so I started... Um, making this transition and it was kind of tough because you you go through these cravings and so forth from all the all the junk you're used to uh, but these cravings do get better and, and um over time and and the for, for the um during the first month that i made this uh, transition i had lost 17 pounds just in the first month wow and i'm i'm pinching myself exactly i'm pinching myself because i couldn't believe that you could lose this much weight so quickly with while eating as much as i mean eating until you're full, not counting, not measuring, not going hungry. I just couldn't believe it. I thought the only way you could lose 17 pounds is by starving yourself. And so it's, it's mind blowing. And, you know, I'm a visual person and there's a lot of um, diagrams or sort of graphics online to show the the concept here, but essentially the, I mean, you and I know this, but for the audience, the plant-based foods, you know, the fruits, the vegetables, the whole grains, the beans, the potatoes, starchy veggies, et cetera. um, They're, they fill you up. Um, they fill up your stomach. I mean, they're, they're bulky and they're heavy, et cetera. There's a lot of water and fiber in them, yet they have less calories in them. That concept is called calorie density. It's sort of the calories per pound of food. And, and so, I, you know, it's, it's such a simple concept, this calories per pound or calorie density concept, yet we're not taught this at all. And so, um, anyway, it just makes so much sense now. Uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. <laughs> Um, oh, oh yeah. absolutely. And, you know, yeah. there's, there's so many things you just mentioned that I think are worth emphasizing. You know, the first is sure. just this point that you're actually reversing disease. You know, both of us right. have been in practice for a while. And I think the concept that you can not just manage, but get rid of chronic exactly. diseases, like diabetes, heart disease, et cetera, as you said, it is something that I think um, a lot of people may not necessarily be aware of um, and may not even believe when it's introduced to them because as you said it almost sounds too good to be true and you know as you and I were briefly talking earlier the the irony is there's there's nothing to sell if you will like this is eating fruits and vegetables and beans Uh and lentils like it's not a 
a radical practice. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It's so simple. I know. It's not like some supplement or yeah. anything that's not been tested. These are foods that have been around as long as mankind. Right. Um, and, and that's, I guess, the irony of it all, right? It's the simplicity. And at the end of the day, that's exactly the most effective. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, it's kind of ironic. I, I majored in chemistry in my, um, in college in undergraduate years. And, and we were always, and, and I took some classes in biochemistry. And of course I was pre-med and, and, you know, how do I put this? But we were always kind of discussing the various, um, I don't know, molecular and chemical models for disease and, and for sort of, you know, biology, how our, how our bodies work and, always looking for ways that we can intervene with, you know, um, chemical medicines, you know, medications and how we can in, uh, kind of like invent therapies and, and treatments and everything. And, and yet never really discussing how, um, you know, natural nu nutrition, these foods that you just mentioned, the fruits, the vegetables, we never really studied their chemistry. <laughs> right. You know, not in, not in my undergraduate classes, not in biochemistry. Nor mine. Yeah, and not we never really discussed how the chemistry of those foods. I mean, how those can be healing and how those can be treatment. And yet um, now I'm realizing, in hindsight, that those are actually you know the food. These foods are actually the most powerful medicines we have. And of course, you know, it comes to comes to reason that obviously um, you know there's a big industry out there in the pharmaceutical industry and. And there's not a big lentil industry or broccoli industry that I am aware of. So um, I guess that makes sense, you know. I mean, and I don't know. It's it's frustrating that that's the way the world works, but it is what it is. And now that we have this information, we um, we're able to share it. And I and thank you for sharing with you know your podcast with everybody. With I mean, it's it's great that we have this opportunity nowadays to do this. So. Now, I think it's great to be able to communicate. It's um, something that I hope that, you know, more people benefit as, as you and I try and encourage. And, and I love what you said about needing to be healthy to help others. You know, right. there, it almost seems as though we tend to put ourselves last on the list, thinking that it, it's, you know, maybe a luxury, you know, right. to, to take care of ourselves. And, and I think kind of flipping that around and realizing that if we don't feel good and we, you know, just run out of our own reserves or less, there's less to give, there's less we can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. And, you know, I think the other thing too, is that, <clears throat> as you know, I mean, I know I'm preaching in the choir, we live in a time now where chronic disease is really the, the big, uh, <sighs> Well, I don't want to say elephant in the room, but I mean it's it's what's killing us, and 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 it's affecting not only, of course, our patients in our country. There's an epidemic of chronic disease and obesity too, but but it's a, it's affecting and killing us as well. I mean, us physicians and 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 chronic disease is really, as you know, as best. It's better to prevent it, and if and if we can't prevent it, it's it's the best thing is to reverse it with healthy lifestyle, and and yet. Um, and if anything, we should, you know, you, us physicians, we should be the best examples and not only the best examples, but we need to be well to be able to <laughs> provide excellent care to people. And um, so, I mean, if we, 
if we look at this purely from a medication sort of point of view, well, that, then we don't really think so much about wellness. And we figure, well, you know, um, we'll just prescribe pills to our patients. We'll just prescribe pills for ourselves or for each other. And, and that's how we're going to, I mean, that's, but as you, you know, I'm preaching the choir here We we realize that that's just not the best approach. I mean, I always share with my patients to say, look, I can put you on a blood pressure pill, but if I put you on a blood pressure pill, first of all, that's only going to lower your blood pressure. It's not going to lower your cholesterol too. It's not going to lower your blood sugar. It's not going to lower your weight. And it's only going to lower your blood pressure. I mean, of course, it doesn't make sense. How, how can um, a blood pressure pill lower the blood pressure of everyone? I mean, um, of other people other than the person who takes the pill. However, if I teach um, you or, you know, my patient, you know, how to live healthy, how to eat well, et cetera, that lowers your blood pressure and your cholesterol and your sugar and your weight. And you can share that with your family. So their blood pressure goes down and there, you know, and not only that, but if you teach future generations, you know, we can, you know, we can sort of um, alter the, um, the course of um, your family's sort of history or not history, but future, you know, and trajectory and no pill can do the, all this stuff, you know, and so pills just can't do what lifestyle can do. I mean, again, I'm preaching in the choir here, but so it's such a no brainer. I mean, and, and it's so simple. I mean, on paper, it's so simple. Um, it's hard for, sometimes for people to make the transition, but once they do, I mean, it's just, gosh, to me, it was a very spiritual, I don't know about you, but a very spiritual experience, just realizing how liberating it is. Cause you know, for me, like I was mentioning, I um, felt kind of, I felt kind of doomed by my family history. And I felt like there was a monkey on my back that I, I was just always worried about heart disease, always worried about diabetes and and we have two small kids, so I was worried that I was going to either die young or, or just suffer um, so much and kind of be a burden to them or something. And, and you never, we never know in life, but now I feel like, gosh, you know, this monkey's been lifted off my shoulders and I'm, I'm free now to um, not worry so much about this. And, and I just love living this way. It's just, it's awesome. And to know that it was just the answer was just provided by mother nature and it was just so simple you know there's just something so awesome about the whole thing you know oh that's just such a wonderful place to be and you you started saying that the transition wasn't easy but got easier after the first one to two months so for listeners that can you know relate to this challenge where you know they on one level want to make that change but are struggling right what advice would you give and, and how to great you question those? great question you know there's so many different ways we make transitions and i don't know that there's necessarily one right way or one wrong way but i found first of all some people think well you know it's easier to to make changes slowly and on one hand it seems that that would be the case but i actually i actually recommend um not transitioning too slowly or slowly and <laughs> just jump I'll, in <laughs> just jump in yeah and the reason is there's a couple of reasons why but one is that um sometimes when we make really small changes we um we don't see the results right away or we or we see results but they're very minimal and when and a lot of us want to see that this is working to encourage us to keep going and so if you make really small changes and you don't really see any results you're probably not going to want to continue with it so that's one thing. Um, but the other thing too is that um, a lot of times when you make small changes and you're dealing with 
um, something as complex and, and challenging as food addiction, small changes sometimes just you just sometimes never overcome the 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 big challenge of of overcoming some of these addictions it, it's like it's like saying you know i'm gonna um slowly wean off i don't know my alcohol slowly wean off my cigarettes well maybe eventually that'll work but sometimes you got to speed it up a little bit and the, the thing with food though is we're not talking about weaning you know weaning one a person uh, off of food we're talking about you know, switching from you know one pattern of eating to another pattern so you're not really you know not starving yourself but um so and yet, but like, like i was saying earlier though um your taste buds do change and and i think if you dive into it you'll realize that within a few weeks or so three four weeks maybe you know maybe a little longer the most of the cravings will go away and um that you have for you know for the um the processed uh, junk food and um the sugar fat and salt and everything and and the other and the and the the natural food will start tasting so much better, and you know that apple that used to be not so sweet or maybe bland is now so much so sweet. You know, it's almost like a treat. You know, and those you know those lentils, that broccoli, everything is going to taste taste so much better. So, and the thing is too is like I said, you know, for me personally, and also you know for most people, the more you dive in, the the better the results. So. For me, even though this, the first month was kind of tough, I saw myself losing so much weight, 17 pounds in one month. I thought, well, gosh, you know what? Uh, this is working. I do not want to stop. And, and it is getting easier. And the, so the longer I went, the easier it got and the, and the better, you know, I just kept losing. And so I would just encourage people to do it that way. I mean, it helps it, if you want to experiment for two to three weeks of trying different things and just testing recipes. And I think that's good because you do have to have a plan. I think when you're, when you um, are planning on diving in, it really helps to be prepared. So if you need to experiment with salad dressings and maybe, you know, some recipes for soups or whatever, whatever it is you're planning on making, it really helps to kind of have a good game plan and, and get rid of the, um, that's the other thing too that really helps a lot is to clean out your kitchen because if you've got junk food all over your house and you're planning on starting this right away, you're going to have a hard time not eating the junk food. It, we're, I, one thing I learned is that it's so much better to work on your environment rather than to work on your willpower. It's, in other words, it's so much easier to not eat junk food if it's not in your house than to, um, than to rely on your willpower to avoid it you know, or to minimize it or just to have one potato chip or one cookie or one, whatever, you know, one um, bite of ice cream or something. So, so it does take maybe a little work to plan ahead, but, but do that work and do that experimentation with recipes and things and, and do shopping and stock your kitchen up really well because some people clean out their kitchen and then there's nothing left and, and then they go and then they just go run out to eat and they go, that's not good. So, um, so do your research, of course. And, and yeah, anyway. Yeah, and that's those are some a, tips, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's such a great tip there to to work more on, you know, getting rid of the junk out of your environment instead of right. forcing the willpower cuz you know, at the end right. of the day, I think this it's tempting when it's there. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah, and and do you cook? Uh, I do. Um, my wife and I both do some and, you know, and cooking, you know, it's funny, a lot of, um, 
I have patients who tell me that, oh, I don't cook or I don't know how. And my joke is that, you know what? I say the animals don't cook and they seem to be doing, doing just fine. You know? <laughs> and and because I, I, I always want people to know that you don't have to cook or don't have, or don't have to be a gourmet cook or chef to live this way. And, um, you know, that your recipes can be really simple. Your meals can be, you know, really simple. And sometimes simple is the best because if it's easy, you're going to keep doing it. You know, if it's really complicated, you might not. But the other thing too, that really helps. And we, we, this is what we try to do because we're somewhat limited on time. Um, you know, it's kind of a busy, hectic life, two small kids and, you know, busy jobs and so forth, but, um, is to do batch cooking. And, and, you know, I always share with my patients to say, look, you can spend an hour making a cup of soup or you can, <laughs> or you can spend an hour making a big pot of soup, you know, and, and, uh, and that big pot of soup can last you for several days, maybe even for a few weeks and you could freeze some of it. So we try to do a lot of that. Uh, we try to make like one or two big things a week and then store it. And, and if we make salad dressing, we don't just make salad dressing for today. We make salad dressing a big batch, you know, for, for, you know, five, four or five days. And, and so that's kind of what, and we try, and we eat a lot of simple things, you know, we, yeah, we'd love everything to be gourmet. We'd love to have a seven, you know, four course meal every you know appetizer salad soup entree dessert but you know that life you know that even though that'd be nice we all love to have personal chefs but <laughs> that would be yeah. nice when we get home from yeah. work <laughs> yeah so you know i don't know I, I i just want people to know that you don't have to make this complicated i mean it's yeah, it's nice to be gourmet, but you don't need to be. And 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 if you are occasionally gourmet, that's nice. Let it be um, something to look forward to every once in a while. Make something fancy. Or, um, but the the other thing too that I've kind of learned about uh, on this journey too is uh, actually there's an expression I, I read it online from um, a friend. Uh, his name's Andrew Taylor. And he's I don't know if you've read about him. He's got an interesting story about. Anyway, uh, he's the guy who ate nothing but potatoes for a while and lost a lot, over a hundred pounds. <laughs> and people <laughs> no, thought he was. I, I haven't heard he, that story. <laughs> yeah, and people thought he was really weird. Of course, I mean, who wouldn't think that? Um, but he survived and did really. But but actually, his message was um, his message to the world, honestly, was that he was suffering with food addiction, serious food addiction and depression. And he, anyway, long story short, is that he he realized he needed to make food simple in his life, and he needed to like not make it um where um there was an emphasis on food to provide most of the pleasure in his life and so he has this quote he says make your make your food boring and your life um exciting or something actually i mean i'm probably getting it wrong but <laughs> but i'm probably getting it wrong but it, but it was something like that and just kind of like the idea is that to focus you know don't we're used so many of us are used to getting so much pleasure from food and and that makes it really tough because if you're counting on that and you're trying to transition to a lifestyle where potentially you you might might be eating more simple foods or or you uh, or, or that you know if it's just easier to make simple foods but but if you're counting on just getting most of the pleasure from food um it it might make it tough and so um you know and, the, and a lot of us don't exercise enough we don't have enough hobbies we don't have enough activities outside of just work and family and so forth so just the more you the more we focus on on healthier lifestyle besides lifestyles and, and and pleasure outside of just food 
the easier it is to change our diets. And, and that being said, I'm all in favor of um, getting the most pleasure out of food possible, healthy, <laughs> healthy food. Uh -huh. But, you know, you understand what I'm saying. So just some people are so focused on that, that they, um, they, I don't know how to put it, but they, I think it, 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 it it's a challenge to, for them to sometimes overcome some of their addictions because they're, they're just looking for that constantly looking for their fix, their pleasure. And they want all their, their food to be so rich and, and they're not getting enough pleasure in other aspects of their lives. And, so they turn to food when they have stress. They turn to food when they're happy. They turn to food when they're sad. They, you know, and they're just looking for rich food all the time when, when they're celebrating, when they're, and um, it's tough. And people relapse a lot. I see, I've seen many people relapse because they thought, oh, I can just have a little bit of this on my birthday or a little bit of this for Thanksgiving, a little bit of this for Halloween and Christmas or whatever, or um, I had a rough week, so I'm going to um, reward myself with some, you know, satisfy some craving for junk food and it's a lot of emotional as you know <laughs> aspects to this as well and um it's complex oh gosh yes and 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 steve i know it's transformed your life and you've done so much now in the healthcare and how healthcare is delivered at your medical center so you know thank you for all the work that you do and and all the inspiration that you provide for so many people um you know, for and kind of as a wrap up, are there any bits of advice, any mistakes you feel that people um, may make that from your experience um, that they can avoid? Any advice that you have? Sure. Um, I think I've touched on some of them, but I think I think one of the biggest things is, um, well, a couple couple actually. One one I've kind of alluded to already, which is to really focus on your environment and not your, um, not your willpower. Because I see so many people thinking, oh, I'm going to have cookies at home and I'm going to have chips at home and I'm going to have all this um, you know, junk food at home and I'll just, I'll just moderate it. And people not respecting that, um, that honestly there is a strong component to food addiction and that when it comes to addiction, it's just abstinence is best. And you know, we're not talking, we're not saying abstinence from food, we're just saying abstinence from the addictive foods and um you know and along those lines sometimes you ha might have to be tough with family members you might have to even separate if if there are family members living with you who um who insist that there are certain you know junk foods in the home you might need to separate their foods from yours maybe put their food in a separate cupboard so you don't have to look at it don't have to see it maybe get a separate refrigerator so you don't have to see it and those those kinds of things and then the other thing too is that um I think the other, and I kind of alluded to this earlier as well, is that our relationship with food, I think a lot of times people don't, they see food as not, how do I put this? You know, there's a stigma with drugs, there's a stigma with cigarettes and to some extent alcohol and things like that. But, but every year, according to the, there's a study, the U.S. Um, global, Bur or sorry, the Global Burden of Disease Study, in the United States, every year, food kills more people than drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and all the other um, unhealthy lifestyle um, factor behaviors or, or risks. And what people don't realize is how, not only how deadly food can be, but, but again, how addictive it can be. And so they, they, um, they just, I don't know, often reward themselves with food like a, as a treat. And I always say to my patients, you know, you wouldn't 
reward yourself with heroin or reward yourself with cigarettes. So why are you rewarding yourself with food? Because and a lot of times they say, well, but food's not a drug. It's food's not alcohol. Food's not cigarettes. And I go, well, and I'm thinking to myself, or maybe I'm saying, sure, it's not those things, but actually it's just as dangerous. And people don't respect not only just as dangerous, but potentially just as addicting. In fact, there's studies showing that um, they've done studies on rats that show that uh, in many cases, junk food, uh, like Oreo cookies, for example, they've studied this, are just as addicting as cocaine to the rats. And I mean, I mean, normally we don't think of rat studies and so forth and, and use them to guide our behaviors. But, you know, I've seen this with my patients. I've seen patients do so well for such a long time and then, and then relapse. And it's all, a lot of times it's because they thought, well, I can just have a little bit of this. I can just have a little bit of that. And it's, it's not unlike, for example, a patient who's been, um, clean of cigarettes for a year who then says, well, I think I'm going to go out and just have one smoke because I don't know, stressful week, or maybe for whatever reason, I, they thought it would be okay to have one smoke and just that one smoke. And, and, you know, next thing you know, they're, they're smoking a pack a day again, you know, or, or the alcoholic who goes out and just has one drink thinking that that's going to be okay after they've been sober for six months. And so it's, it's the mentality. And I think, people don't as a society we haven't come to that yet uh, we haven't realized that collectively but i think um the more i've been working with patients and also myself too i realize that it's really what it takes for long-term success and short-term success is pretty easy i mean anybody could do anything for a couple months you know anybody could do a so-called quote-unquote diet for a couple months but to sustain it long-term as a lifestyle change it really um we really have to think of it um, in those terms because otherwise people are going to relapse. And I you know there are a lot of people out there who could eat whatever they want and they do just fine. We know people like that. We know people who've um, smoked cigarettes their whole lives and nothing happens to them or drink six beers a day. Nothing happens to them. And, and those, but those are the exceptions, not the rule. And, and uh, for most of us, um, you know, we're not like that. And so, um, and so we have to, we have to be kind of tough with our, not tough with ourselves, but tough with the reality. I mean, understand what's at stake here. And, um, and the other, the other just maybe last piece of advice is so many people, too many people, and I'm sure you've seen this as well. They wait until a crisis, a medical crisis occurs to make a change or to be motivated and I just highly, highly don't, I mean, I strongly don't recommend that approach because first of all, heart attacks, for example, the number, our number one cause of death, two thirds of the time, people don't have a, any warning whatsoever that a heart attack is coming. That's two thirds of the time. And a third of the time when they have a heart attack, they die. Not to mention, I mean, you don't want to wait to get cancer or you don't want to wait till you have an amputation of your leg or, or go on dialysis. Cause for the most part, you know, some of these, most of these things you, you know, when it's, the damage is done, it's done. I mean, yeah, we've heard of stories of reversing certain things and certain things can be reversed, but some, some things can't. And so I suggest just not waiting, just going for it, going for the healthy lifestyle now before, before bad things start happening. And hopefully someday we'll get to the point, I'm sure, I, I assume you'd share this vision with me or share this vision with me that we'll get to the point where a healthy lifestyle is just part of our culture again. And it's not, it's not seen as weird or extreme. You know, we sort of talked a little bit about that, that 
people who eat this way are, are seen um, as just, um, yeah, as uh, in those terms, like it, that we're weird eating fruits, vegetables, and whole grains and beans and so forth. But um, I don't know, hopefully we will get to that point and then we won't necessarily need to have these conversations so much anymore because it'll just be the norm, you know? And, um, and then, you know, hopefully a lot of these diseases will start going away again, I hope. That's a beautiful vision and, and such great <laughs> advice, you know, just plan your environment, jump all in, um, making the change and abstain from the addictive foods. I, I think that's just such a great um, set of advice. And, and Steve, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time to be on the podcast and sharing your experience and, um, and again, just all the work that you're doing to help this vision of our culture being healthier. My pleasure, Sharon. It's, it's been, it, like I said, it's, it's been a pleasure and an honor. And thank you so much for what you're doing. And we're in this together. And uh, we've got our work cut out, but we're, we're going in the right direction for sure. That's great. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care. The Whole Health Cure is brought to you by Emory Lifestyle Medicine and Wellness. For more information about wellness assessments, classes, and other resources, please visit our website, emoryhealthcare.org slash livewell. This material is copyrighted by Emory University.